Today, I want to look at the Apostle Paul and what he has to say about prayer. It's nothing new for you. I also want to look at the Lord Jesus Christ and what the Lord Jesus says and does about prayer. And I want to do these things as we're in the middle of Missions Month and we're thinking about saving our friends, we're thinking about reaching them with the gospel, and that's the very thing we can't do is save them, but we can reach them with the gospel. Much more, we can reach them through prayer. We can involve the Holy Spirit as we pray unto the Father in the Holy Spirit's strength. And then pray and pray and pray that he will meet our need. Prayer is not, for the most part, an untapped, or is for the most part, an untapped resource. One man said it's an unexplored continent where untold treasures remain unearthed. I thought that was beautiful. I watched that uh, too much TV, but on the, uh, one of the channels there, they have a fellow that's always looking for lost treasure and never finds it. We have the ability in prayer to, untap, to, to tap the, to the untold treasures that God has rescued or uh, given for us. F.B. Meyer, the author of a great little book, the secret of guidance said, the great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Isn't that true of all of our lives? That as we sit here and we think about prayer, we are guilty for a lack of prayer. And I don't say that to condemn you, I say that with you. We're guilty of unoffered prayer. Oh, that we would be like the great men and women of faith and trust God and pray to God and declare our need before him. There's a story told of a pilot who was radioed the tower with an emergency. He was at 10,000 feet, about 20 kilometres out, and he had run out of fuel. And so he had radioed the tower for help and told them that I'm 10,000 feet and I'm 20 kilometres out and I don't have any fuel. There was a dead silence on the end of the phone for the end of the radio for a while and then finally it crackled through and the tower uh, said to the pilot, repeat after me, O oh, Father, thou art... <laughs> and he went on to pray. What is there left in the world for... Original dissertation research, one of Einstein's students asked him, what in the world can we study that people haven't studied before? And with much thought and with much ponderance, Einstein replied, find out about prayer. Somebody find out about prayer. Prayer is the untapped resource, the, the untapped resource of God to meet our need. Find out, somebody find out about prayer. Prayer connects the human need with divine with the divine. And what we all have much need, don't we? So when we connect with God, our need, so it is that we are able to have our need meet our need met. The first thing that I want to look at with you is persistence in prayer. The first thing that we learn from the Apostle Paul. And I want to take you through four things that I've learnt about prayer. Persistence, passion, thankfulness, and the difference about making intercession for people in prayer and what that really means. And then 
breaking from the tradition of being a Baptist, I have five more things that I want to tell you, five reflections that I've had upon prayer. But the first one comes, and the first word comes out of Colossians and verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. And the, the word devote can be translated persistent in prayer, continuing steadfastly, Adhere firmly to, remind yourselves to be devoted in prayer because prayer is powerful. Paul teaches us that we need to be men and women who are devoted to prayer, who are persistent in prayer. Wendy, can you do me the honour, please, of turning down the microphone just for a moment? I was really proud of myself. I got through the first sermon without my nose running I took all these tablets this morning to dry my nose up, but it looks like it's going to have the better of me. So we need to be persistent in prayer. And I, I want you to look up on the screen because for you there is a passage of Scripture, Luke 18 and verse 1. And it's speaking about, if you remember, the widow who came before the judge and pleaded her case to get her adversary thrown into prison or dealt with. And she continued to be persisting and persisting and persisting. And finally the judge, after refusing her plea, finally says, look, just to shut you up, I'm going to let you have what your way. And God is saying he wants us to be persistent in prayer. There's this deep relationship with the sovereignty of God where we can pray down the blessings of God upon our situation. And God wants us to be persistent in prayer. And I'm not sure exactly why we need to be persistent in prayer. Why God can't just say in his sovereignty, yes, you can have that immediately. But there's something dynamic within our relationship with God and his ability to answer our prayers that he calls us to be persistent in prayer. I think it demonstrates in our own life a number of things. It demonstrates faith. It demonstrates the ability to to believe in God and to, to work with him. Or maybe there's something going on in the heavens that we're unaware of. But nonetheless, God wants us to be persistent in prayer. First, he says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always not lose heart, but continue to pray. And have a look at the last verse. After this woman's story is told, the last word, and will not God give justice to his elect? Who cry to him day and night? Will he, will he delay long over them? So we have reflected in this the character of God. God hears our prayers. That's the thing that we need to understand. God hears our prayers and he delays or he doesn't delay depending on what he is going to do in that situation, depending on what is right for us, depending on whether he has another plan. God continues though to call us to be people of prayer the thing that I loved about that was how the Lord uh, ministers to the elect and how the Lord loves the elect and we see this reflected in the next passage for us we come back in our Bibles to Luke chapter 11 and I tell you ask and it will be given to you this is a beautiful passage of scripture the God of heaven says to us, Ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. And knock and the door shall be opened unto you. He says that to all of humanity. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't there, is there a need that you have? 
Is there something going on in your life that you need an answer for? Then seek the Lord. Knock and it will be opened unto you. The Lord is so desirous for us to pray. And then later on in Luke 13, if you then who are evil and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much will the Lord enable you in your area of ministry if you only get on your knees and ask him? And I'm preaching with vigor, but preaching like a hypocrite to you. How much more will God give us his Holy Spirit, the, the enabling, the filling, the blessing of the Holy Spirit upon our lives if only we got on our knees and asked him? How much easier would ministry be? How many more people would be touched? How many more people would be healed? How many more people would be reached if only we got off our apathy and got on our knees and prayed? Ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and it will be given unto you. Knock and it will be given unto you. We ought to be people who are prayer persistent in prayer because you see the other side of that coin is that our God is wanting to bless us I don't want you to feel guilty this morning I want you to feel motivated towards being persistent in prayer and being persistent in prayer is not being long-winded in prayer we've all been around people who are long-winded in prayer and I'm fairly sure that God is as bored with them as we are Persistent in prayer has the meaning, and in terms of praying always, has the meaning of continuing to pray. It's not talking about the length of prayers. It's not talking about being in prayer, as it were, 24-7. But you're constantly bringing these things before the Lord. You're being persistent. You're not forgetting. I'll pray for you, brother. And then you forget his name, let alone what he had to pray for. George Muller is known as one of the greatest prayer warriors of all time. He was a man who was persistent in prayer. And his ministry, to God's glory, reflected that. And George Mueller wasn't only blessed, millions of other people were blessed as well. And children most of all. And just to condense this long quote that I have for you on the screen if you read with me the last part the less we read the word of God the less we desire to read it and the less we pray the less we desire to pray and that strikes all of our hearts because we are so fickle with our prayers there's only a few of us that really it uh, impacts when we talk about praying long prayers because most of us pray short prayers (laughs) we need to be persistent in prayer and understand that persistence is not long but persistence means that we continue to bring it to the Lord it may be a short prayer Lord I pray that you'll give my wife a soft heart not my wife but your wife okay and you might have to pray for that more than once (laughs) we need to be persistent in prayer Not only are we to be persistent in prayer, but we're to pray with passion. 
And I want you to see how the Lord Jesus, we see that Paul comments that tells us that we need to pray with persistence. But now I want to reflect on the Lord Jesus Christ for a moment and see the way that he passionately prayed. Prayed about every little thing in his life. We ought to pray the same way. When he was hard pressed by work, he prayed. When he was hungry for fellowship, he found that in prayer. Isn't that how many people say that they're lonely? How many people say that they're bored? And our Lord Jesus Christ gave us the example that he had sweet fellowship with his heavenly Father. And how did he have that sweet fellowship? He didn't have it on the golf course. He had it through prayer. He chose his associates and received his message upon his knees. When he was tempted, he prayed. When he was criticized, he prayed. When he was fatigued, he prayed. Prayer brought him unmeasured power at the beginning and kept the flow of unbroken power undiminished. There was no emergency, no difficulty, no necessity, no temptation that he did not surrender to prayer. And at the time we see Jesus praying, the most of all was at his passion, where he was about to go to the cross. And he was praying, and the Bible says that he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he sweat drops of blood. Sweet fellowship, our Lord left us an example of prayer. Every time we see Jesus praying, he prayed like no one else. In Luke, 30, Luke 3 verse 1, at his baptism, he prayed. He was praying when heaven opened. Quite amazing really, isn't it? We ought to be praying that heaven would open and fall the grace upon our neighbours and our friends. We need to be praying. In Luke 6.12, before he called his disciples, he spent the whole night in prayer. Passionate prayer enables God to lead us and direct us. Passionate prayer leaves room for the Holy Spirit to speak to us and to lead us through his word. Amen? Don't we need that? And how many times we make a decision and we don't involve God through prayer? How many times we live our life as though God is dead and we don't believe in prayer? How many times... Do we have to be reminded that we need to be like the Lord Jesus Christ and to be passionate in prayer? At his transfiguration, while he was praying, his face appeared and became different and his clothing became white and gleaming. Passionate prayer enables us to experience the glory of God. It's not just for the past. When we speak about being with the Lord and we think about Moses being with the Lord we think about Abraham being with the Lord we think about the Lord Jesus Christ being with the Lord but the reality is that we too can enjoy the presence of God if only we were more committed to prayer John 17 his high priestly prayer passionate prayer impacts the lives of others Jesus prayed for us and that, that's just so cool. The Lord Jesus Christ prayed for us. And if we need the Lord Jesus Christ praying for us, <laughs> you caught me there, Wendy. 
let's just back the truck up a little bit. Praying for us. <laughs> then we need to be praying for one another, don't we? We should be inspired by his example. Not beaten down by it. But let's today begin to meet the Lord in prayer. We, we as a church have tried to provide you with wonderful opportunities to meet in prayer. Not long prayers, but prayer. We, we want you to take those up. Our home groups are places of prayer where you get together and you spend time in prayer together, speaking to your Lord. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing to be able to pray for one another. In Matthew 23, 39, in the Garden of Gethsemane, is the only thoroughly passionate prayer that we see in the Scriptures, or perhaps the most passionate prayer rather than the only prayer. In Luke 23, 24, as he hung on the cross, our precious Lord, as he was speared, as he was spat upon, as he was beaten, having been those things done to him, as he hung on the cross, his thought was for others. My Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. We need to be people of passionate prayer. James says this to us, Therefore, confess your sins to one another. We ought to be involved in intimate relationships with one another. The thought of confessing my sins to you makes me shudder to my core. But there are those that I draw alongside and share my heart with. We ought to be praying for one another like this. And then it says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. That's a wonderful passage. So what we need to do is we need to identify the person in our church who's the most righteous. I wonder who that is. It's you. Because this, the irony of this passage is speaking about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and how he shed his blood for you, you are covered in his blood. You are covered with his righteousness. You are seen by God as righteous. So don't use that as an excuse to think, I'm going to wait until I meet that righteous person and I'm going to share with them my need and they can pray for me. God is wanting you to be that person for someone else. Be that person of prayer. Be that person who's passionate in prayer. Be that person who's persistent in prayer. I want us to jump back now to look at Paul again. And another thing that Paul reveals to us is thankfulness in prayer. He never ever mentions or rather, he mentions thankfulness all the time. He never ever, as it were, goes to prayer without having thankfulness in it. And it must be a reason for that. In Ephesians 5.20, he tells us that there's, thanksgiving is the natural result of being filled with the Holy Spirit, walking with the Holy Spirit, being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. In Philippians 4.6, you know this very well, Tell, tells us not to be anxious for nothing, but in everything we should pray, giving. That's a good guess. You're right. Giving thanks. <laughs> I could see you all doing mental, like, what's, where, 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 what, what, what are we supposed to say? Giving thanks that we make known our petitions to God. So in combination with prayer, in combination with bringing our requests before God, we should never neglect to be thankful. 
It seems to make complete sense, doesn't it? And you're thinking to yourself, perhaps, what in the world have I got to be thankful for? Well, when I look out at you, I'm very thankful. I'm thankful for the gifts that you have. Firstly, I'm thankful for the most important thing of all, that you know the Lord Jesus Christ and you've been sealed with his Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Amen? Amen. I'm thankful that the God has clothed you because, honestly, you'd be stand out in the congregation today. We have a lot to be thankful to God for, okay? So, with thanksgiving, he prays to the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 8, this one is very, very clear, tells us that we are to give thanks to God at all times, for this is the will of Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, if we were to always give thanks to God... It would change our posture completely. Even in the midst of our trials, when we go before God, we are also going before God to thank Him for the way that He has blessed us. Colossians 3.17 says that believers are to give thanks to the Lord all times in the name of the Lord. And 1 Timothy 4.4 says the food and marriage are a good thing and we ought to receive them with, have a guess, thanksgiving. <laughs> with thanksgiving. All the time. And you notice how it changes our posture in terms of how we are praying. Instead of being on the back foot, where we are always feeling as though we're under pressure and we're hanging on by our fingernails and we're crying out to God all the time, and all we're doing is wrapping ourselves in misery and being overwhelmed with the burden... We've changed posture to the front foot where we have this great privilege of coming to God in prayer, a God who answers prayer, and we're wrapped our burdens in thanksgiving. Isn't that true? So we ought to be people who give thanks to God. As I mentioned to you, it changes our posture. It articulates dependence upon God. And these aren't the five things I've got for the end of you. There's only four there anyhow, but it articulates dependence upon God. When we come to God and we've changed our posture and we've wrapped our thankfulness around our, our burden, we're able to bring that to the Lord and lay it before Him, and it reminds us that we are in great need of the living God. Isn't that true? We, we just forget to pray about it, and we try to work it out ourselves and we wonder why we have no joy, and we wonder why we have no power, and we wonder why we have no peace, and all the time it's counterintuitive because we believe that somehow or other we can work it out ourselves, and if we put a bit more effort in, and if we try a bit harder, and all the time God is calling us to our knees to, to yield that to him. And the very posture of prayer, being on our knees before the Lord, is one where we are weak and in need. It's the very opposite that you would normally expect a person to be when they are in battle. But the battle belongs to the Lord and we have to get on our knees and pray. And I believe we need to be on our knees as much as we can because it reflects the dependence upon the Lord. It just demonstrates relationship. And I don't have to explain this to you, and I don't want to fall back on the old explanation of it, but it, it, it clearly demonstrates that we have a relationship with God when we talk to Him. 
It clearly demonstrates that we believe that God is powerful. It clearly demonstrates that we believe that God is real and alive and effective in our lives and that we know him personally because our first response should be prayer. Not going to ourselves, but going to God, whom we love and whom we trust. Prayer demonstrates relationship. I want to jump to the last one. It demonstrates humility. It demonstrates humility in that it shows in its posture that we understand how great and mighty God is. And we understand how weak we are. It demonstrates humility. The final one before we move into my five points and something's gone wrong with the clock because it tells me that I've still got 35 minutes to go. So, uh, and uh, that might be just the power of prayer. (laughs) And no doubt the guys are trying to fix that as quickly as they can right now. (laughs) Not only do we learn uh, about persistence in prayer and thankfulness in prayer, but the final point I want to make is that of intercession. And we see many times through the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ making intercession for us. Intercessory prayer is basically praying for others. It's praying for God's will to be done in the lives of other people. Intercessory prayer characterizes or is characterized in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53 and verse 12, He himself bore the sins of many and he intercedes for the transgressor. He intercedes for for the transgressor. That's you, not me. <laughs> I've got one person to laugh. That's good. Thank you, Darren. He intercedes for the transgressor. I'm just blown away that my God, before I even knew him, was interceding for me. I'm blown away that God was interceding for you. I'm blown away that God saved us. Aren't you? Amen. Luke twenty two twenty three. Jesus tells Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Jesus understood the pressure that we were under, understood the, the world that we would live in. And we can take by extension from this that Jesus Christ has prayed for us as well. He was a person who believed in praying for others because he believed that that prayer would change their circumstance. You're kidding Jesus would be involved in intercessory prayer? It just doesn't make sense. He is God in the flesh. Why didn't he fix it himself? Why didn't he just zap a powie and make it so? Because he demonstrated to us what it is to live a life, and get this, to live a life of dependence upon the Father. Intercessory prayer is praying for others. Have a look at the person next to you for a moment and don't make a mention of anything negative. (laughs) Do you know you can be a person who can change that person's life through prayer? Isn't that incredible? And here you are all the time trying to change that person through nagging them, through setting them tasks, through setting them object lessons 
And all you need to do is go to God in prayer. Carol had to learn. Remember, we, all we learned from our pastor when we were getting married, he told a story at our wedding. And uh, I don't remember exactly how it goes. Um, but they ultimately, they came to the wedding together and she had in her mind that he, she would change him completely. And uh, unfortunately, she was not able to. I can't remember the story. I've just mucked that up completely. Let's just rewind that bit. But you get what I mean. We can't change one another, but we can pray for one another and let God bring the change in their person's life. Prayer changes things. John 14, Jesus intercedes for us, asking the Father to send the Holy Spirit for us. That was an answered prayer. Isn't that cool? You get to see a prayer prayed in the Word of God by the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you come a few chapters down in the Bible, and you see that prayer answered as the Holy Spirit showed up at Pentecost. John 17, 9, he prayed for us, the church, in his high priestly prayer. Listen to this prayer. I ask on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom thou hast given me. Isn't that precious to know? You sit here today knowing that God has prayed for you. The Lord Jesus Christ has prayed for you. This high priestly prayer, even before you were made. He looked down through the channels of time and he prayed for you. And I imagine he could see your faces and he could see your life and he prayed for you. I'm thankful the Lord prayed for me. And finally in Romans 8.34 he tells us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father watching television. Biggest widescreen you've ever seen. It's not true. It says that he's interceding for us. He hasn't got time to watch television. He leaves that up to us. Jesus Christ is making intercessory prayer for us. What do you think he's praying? That's an interesting thought. He's praying, Father, keep them from the world. Father, make them like me. I've taken you through, hopefully, to inspire you a little bit of the need for prayer as we see it reflected in the life of Paul and we see it reflected in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to close with five quick comments. The first is prayer internalizes the burden. It, it deepens our, our ownership. It deepens our sense of the partnership with God. It, it makes us aware of that situation much more than we have awareness of it before. Doesn't that make sense? When you get alongside somebody, when you have a burden yourself and you take it to the Lord thoughtfully in prayer and persistently in prayer and passionately in prayer, doesn't it make you own that thing? Doesn't it make you more aware of it? Isn't that God's gift to us? that we are not just shallow people shooting off prayers, but that we get to own that burden with Him. We get to own that thing that we are praying about with Him. Prayer forces us to wait. It's either yes or no, 
or wait. <laughs> the first one I'm all good for, I like the yeses. I don't like the noes. And I certainly don't enjoy the waiting. But sometimes it's important for us to wait. There's a tension between the boldness of waiting on God's will. The tension is resolved by being persistent, yet accepting God's answer when it finally comes. Instead of getting frustrated that God is not on our schedule, prayer forces us to have an attitude of gratitude. It forces us to accept God's timetable. And I'm glad he's like that. <laughs> I'm glad he's in charge of the answered prayers. And I'm not. You know, like, I can imagine myself being there in heaven and having my hand on the lever that says yes and just pulling it all the time and saying yes, 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 yes. And I'd be answering everybody's prayer and thoroughly getting it all wrong and mucking up everything. But God, who is sovereignly good, sovereignly powerful, sovereignly all-knowing, sovereignly able to answer our prayers, says to us sometimes, wait. And in that waiting is developed character. In that waiting is developed, in the quietness of that waiting, is developed a deep sense of awe for God. third thing is that prayer opens our spiritual eyes. It enables us to get in touch with what God is doing and is not doing. And uh, can you remember, recall the story of uh, 2 Kings chapter 6 uh, with the armies of Israel surrounded by this nervous servant and uh, God opened his eyes and enabled him to see. It gives us spiritual eyes. It aligns our heart with God's heart. I think this is, this, is, this is beautiful. It aligns our heart. This all happens in prayer. I'm not talking about something that we can buy or we can have. It, this happens in prayer because it's all about relationship. Our God is real. Our God cares for us. Our God is concerned about our character. Our God is a real person. And it aligns our heart with his heart. It, it brings adjustment to the way that we are thinking about it. It brings, as I said, alignment. It brings a setting of our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions. And this all happens through prayer. This happens through prayer. This happens through prayer. So many of you, so many of us are torn asunder. We're worried about this, we're worried about that. And we have every right to be. I'm not asking us to be unhuman. But if we would only go to God in prayer, the burden would be heavy. It would still hurt. We would still be confused at times. But we find that through that act of prayer, our emotions are aligned. Our thoughts are aligned. Our actions are aligned. Do you, do you get that? Being in step with God. And finally, prayer enables us to move forward. So many of you too, and so many times I've found that I've felt blocked. Have you ever been self-employed? 
and uh, it, being self-employed, you're either, you haven't got enough work, so you worry about not having enough work, or the opposite is true. You have too much work, and so you, don't, you start to worry about having, and you never find that sweet spot, <laughs> it like zips past, and you're back into worrying about not having enough work, or you're worrying about having too much work. And what happens when you have too much work is, we've joked about this, Carol and I, I find is that I just, I go numb, I've got so much work to do, I don't know where to start, you've heard that before. I don't know which job to take, I don't know what materials to order, and I'm totally in a state of flux. It's very similar to what I'm saying here. Prayer enables us to move forward rather than being trapped in our circumstances, trapped in our hardship, trapped in our difficulty. We're able to take it to the Lord in prayer and it, it clears the way. It opens our heart. It enables us to function the way that we're meant to function. Do you, do you know how important that is to your life? It makes us and enables us to move forward. Once we have prayed, we are ready to do anything. Until we have prayed, we can do nothing. But once we have prayed, we can do everything. Amen? So let's bid us be praying people as we move out into this missions month. Let's be praying for our neighbours. Let's be praying for our friends. And hopefully your friends are your neighbours. <laughs> Let's be praying for Pastor Vincent as he'll be opening God's word to us next week. Let's be praying for the open house as we invite our friends to church. Let's be praying because our God hears our prayers, loves to answer our prayers. He's not reluctant in any way as we've seen the Lord Jesus Christ and the Paul model that to us. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness to us and thank you for revealing to us your heart for prayer. And uh, Father, thank you for enabling us and for constantly calling to us and giving us so many examples in your word of prayer. And uh, Lord, not to guilt us, but to call us into relationship with you, to call us to lighten our burden to call us to join you in the mission, to call us to see you glorified. And we say thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.